Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Let me just say a couple of qu- quick things here before we get rolling with the show. One of these fun, one of these kind of serious. Let me do the fun thing first. Y'all, it is so great to be back. I had such a great time last week, and I'll tell you more about that here coming up. The folks from Royal Caribbean really rolling out the red carpet for us, and their hospitality is so awesome. What a great time it was to be on board Wonder of the Seas, and I'll tell you more about that later on. We just had a really great time. I'm thankful for the opportunity, but I'm also thankful that all of you have kind of welcomed us back now to do the show as we normally do here today. It is just really good to be back, and I am so excited about the rest of the month here and what we hope extends beyond that into a mission of go for two in 22. We are really, really excited about that, and hopefully you'll uh, see that excitement reflected in what we do on today's show. On the serious note, There's obviously a lot of sadness and concern here in the kind of part of the world we call SEC country here right now, and a lot of this relates to uh, Mississippi State coach Mike Leach. Sincere prayers going out for him. We're going to talk more about this later on the show, but at least wanted to make mention of this off the top, that Coach Leach is going through a very serious thing right now, and our thoughts and prayers deeply, truly, sincerely are with him. We're going to talk more about this here in a moment, but I at least wanted to mention that off the top of the show as well, and then kind of try to awkwardly get into the topic at hand as it relates to Georgia this was an incredible weekend for the dogs and Stetson Bennett was a Heisman finalist we were live on video Tuesday night to celebrate that we kind of popped back on uh on Friday to kind of respond to some of the backlash but the bottom line is when you see Bennett in New York this weekend I think I'm reminded or maybe it's validated is what I'm looking for why so many of us wanted to see Georgia have a Heisman finalist for such a long time. There is just something about this that's really cool. And yeah, congratulations to Caleb Williams who wins the award. Obviously a very, you know, you know, deserving candidate in his own right and a very good season. But there is something about just being in New York City. When you see the way in which, you know, Bennett got all the attention that he got this week. And I thought the uh, ceremony on TV, I don't always watch the full thing all the way through. It's kind of long. But I did watch it on Saturday night, and it was just kind of cool to see a Georgia guy be a part of this. So I think we were reminded of why it is we wanted a Georgia player to be in this. You know, last year we kind of made the big push for JD to NYC. Just being in New York on this weekend, there's something about that. I said this, I think it was Tuesday night, that the Heisman Trophy ultimately is kind of a measure of relevance. Whatever it's supposed to be, going to the best player, whatever else, what it really is is a measure of what is relevant, who is relevant in college football and Georgia clearly right now has a very high level of that relevance and that was kind of reflected in this Heisman uh, story over the course of the weekend and beyond that what I liked about Georgia being a part of this was is that it was the aspect of Georgia that we want to see reflected this was not just Georgia in the spotlight it was Georgia in the spotlight showing off all the things that we like about UGA, the things that make the program unique, the things that make the program successful, the thing that makes the program on the doorstep of possibly winning another national championship. A lot of those terrific attributes were reflected in the Stetson Bennett story, as it was told in New York City in this Heisman uh, situation here this week. In fact, I want to give you an example of this. So Kirby Smart was interviewed by Holly Rowe. Now, I think there is something really, really uncommonly great about the very short interview that Smart did as it reflects to Stetson Bennett. I want you to hear a portion of this, and then I kind of want to talk about this, about you know what it means about Bennett and obviously the amazing story of his career, but the larger meaning of all of this as it relates to UGA. And this is the kind of thing that maybe would have been easy to miss if you weren't listening closely. So do me a favor. For the next couple of seconds, listen closely to Kirby Smart, and then let me tell you why I think this is a really, really cool reflection of what matters at Georgia. Here's Kirby from ESPN-TV on Saturday night. What are you thinking at that moment that has not led us to this moment that he goes from walk-on to Heisman finalist? Wow. The American dream. He won over his teammates by the way he performed on the scout team, and he just kept kept getting better and we 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 kept thinking he wasn't good enough and he kept proving us wrong over and over and over again let me tell you something about kirby smart right there what smart does in the way that he talks about stetson bennett that is not what most people would do in that situation kirby smart is the head coach of georgia kirby smart is stetson bennett's coach when your player is a heisman finalist it would be very easy for any of us any of us if given a chance to talk, 
to cast ourselves as the hero in this story. For instance, if I was Kirby Smart, knowing that it has not just been Bennett who's been criticized over the course of the last couple of years from time to time and taking a lot of heat even going into this Heisman ceremony this particular weekend. It's not just been Bennett who's taken some of that criticism. It's been Kirby Smart himself who's taken some of that criticism too. Smart has been criticized as the, ah, Kirby just wants some South Georgia kid at quarterback because of whatever reason that the internet kind of makes up in in, any given moment. Or Kirby Smart's so stubborn. Kirby Smart's so set in his ways. Kirby Smart's so whatever about choosing Bennett as opposed to choosing some other quarterback that at different times the media or fans or whatever has sort of thought Kirby Smart was supposed to choose. So understanding all of that, and Kirby Smart is, of course, aware of all of this, understanding all of that, how easy would it be for Kirby Smart to cast himself as the hero in the story? In other words, he could have very easily said, hey, all of y'all have been wrong about Bennett the entire time, and I've been trying to tell you. All of y'all haven't thought that Stetson Bennett was ever good enough, and yet all this time, deep down, I knew this, and I smiled and laughed as he went out there and proved it to all of you. But that's not what Kirby Smart says right there. Kirby Smart says, we kept thinking he wasn't good enough. So this wasn't an example of the Bennett haters getting it wrong or the media overlooking the really cool story of Stetson Bennett. This is Kirby Smart being brutally honest, cold, hard truth, where he himself says, hey, I kept over and over again thinking that Stetson Bennett was not going to be good enough to be the quarterback of this team. And over and over again, Stetson Bennett kept proving me wrong. And to have that kind of confidence, to be Kirby Smart and be self-confident enough to go out there and say, hey, the thing that makes Stetson Bennett so great is, is not even I saw this coming. Even though I have full, unfettered access to everything that goes on with the Georgia program, not even I saw this coming. Bennett surprised even me. And I think that's a really cool level of honesty from Smart. I think that was a nice thing to hear. And then later on in that same interview, I'm not going to play this part of the clip for you, he also goes on to talk about how that Bennett just earned all of this in practice. He first earned the trust of this team by how he performed as a scout team quarterback, and then later on he earned the remainder of that trust based on what he did in practice day after day after day. And let me tell you why I think that's so special. It's because this is what Kirby Smart's saying, that, that, that Bennett wasn't his pick for quarterback necessarily, but Bennett was judged the same way that all Georgia players are judged on how they measure up to the standard. Bennett met the standard, and therefore the job became his. And that's a pretty awesome promise to be made to a current or future Georgia player on the basis of how the Stetson-Bennett story gets told here. That, hey, even if you're on scout team, you'll still be evaluated. And if you meet the standard, you're the guy. Hey, you're going to get a chance at practice every day to come out there and work, and it's not going to be fun. It's going to be really hard. The practices, as a million Georgia players have said, will be more difficult than the games. The grind that you do on a daily basis will be more difficult than the grind that you have to be a part of on Saturdays when you've got 93,000 people cheering your name. Uh, During the week, those fans aren't there. The media isn't there. There is no band playing. But if you can prove yourself worthy of that, that that you don't have to worry about a coach not liking you or politics or whatever else, it's simply a standard. And if you meet the standard, you're the guy. That's what Stetson Bennett kind of proves about George. I think that's an awesome thing. And Kirby Smart, in the way that he talks about Stetson Bennett, Uh, allow Stetson to be the hero of his own story, but also to kind of demonstrate how it is that Georgia can cultivate a story like this. I think that's incredible. And then I think it kind of speaks to what Georgia can still do from here. Because ultimately, why is it that Stetson Bennett, in the minds of most of us, why was he Heisman worthy? Why was he worthy of being in a discussion like this? I think for me, the simplest thing is there are all kinds of people who kind of cite all kinds of stats and, you know, listen, that's, that's fine. And then that's Uh, I'm sure that's an accurate argument in in favor of Bennett. But for me, it kind of comes down to this. What has he done in the biggest games? SEC championship, he was at his best. Tennessee game this year, he was at his best. Kick off the season against Oregon, he was at his best. National championship a year ago, he was at his best. Uh, Michigan game, Orange Bowl, coming off a Georgia loss, he was once again at his best. There is something about Stetson Bennett that has allowed him to raise his level of play in the games that have mattered most. And listen, there are times when I think that stuff like that just might be a coincidence. This is myth-making. This is, this is somehow you know, kind of trying to craft a legend that doesn't necessarily actually exist. It's just kind of the thing that makes for a good story and who wants to ruin a good story, so therefore we keep telling it. However, there's another aspect of Stetson Bennett where I think you're left to maybe conclude 
that it's not necessarily a coincidence that he has played his best when the heart's beating just a little bit faster, when the self-doubt maybe creeps in a little more aggressively. It may not be exactly a coincidence um, that, that, that he's been at his best in moments like that. Because frankly, I think the best stuff we heard from Bennett last week may not have been in New York City for the Heisman Trophy uh, ceremony or any of the stuff leading up to that. Our buddy Connor Riley, who we'll talk to tomorrow, did an incredible job of covering that. But the actual best comments that Bennett may have made all last week actually was related to the Brandon Burlesworth Trophy. This is the trophy that goes out to the top walk-on in college football. Bennett was nominated a year ago, won it this year. Burlesworth is a guy who was kind of an amazing story going back to his time playing at Arkansas. And Bennett was talking about Burlesworth near the end of his acceptance of this award this past week. And it's easy to imagine as he talks about that that he's actually talking about himself. And we just heard Kirby say a moment ago, hey, we kept thinking this guy was not good enough. He was a scout team quarterback, but we didn't want to offer him a scholarship. Then we did want to offer him a scholarship, but we uh, didn't think he'd ever play. He goes to junior college, okay, we'll bring you back, but but you're going to be buried on the bench and going into the 2020 season. We're not going to give you any look towards being the starting quarterback in this team. We're not giving you any chance of that at all. Those are the sort of tangible, I guess, examples of the moments in which Kirby Smart said, we just uh, didn't ever believe this guy could get it done. Well, from Bennett's own perspective in talking about Burlesworth and what he endured as a player at Arkansas, it's kind of easy to imagine maybe Bennett's also talking about himself a little bit too. This is from last week. Uh, Bennett, as he accepted the Burlesworth Award, let me let you hear that. I feel like I know Brandon a little bit just because we've been there, man, and we've been down. Like football, growing up, it was the thing that you are best at. Um, it was the thing that you believed in. Uh, it's the thing you, you, you spend the most time doing. Um, you know, you thought you are pretty good in your hometown, right? And then you walk on to college and, and, and come find out that, hey, this thing that you said you're best at in the, in the world, that you spend the most time at in the world, that you care about in the world, um, well, it ain't good enough to play here. And so when, when people talk about Brandon and, and his legacy, um, you know, it's hard to remember that, but I, I think it's important too, um, because it, it, he he didn't just run bleachers a lot, right? He didn't he didn't just do more push-ups than other people. You know, he came out and, and thought he had a good practice one day, and then his coach still told him he wasn't good enough, right? And that's a uh, that's a long that's a long look in the mirror. You know, that is, that's dark when, when you get down that road. Um, but that's why he's so special, because he took that mirror and he broke it over his knee, and he became an All-American, and he got drafted. It's an awesome, awesome series of comments from Bennett. I'm going to try not to be too blowhardy here, but I'm going to allow myself at least one indulgence to say this is that most people design their lives to avoid the feeling that Bennett just described. The feeling of, I tried my hardest and I still failed, because that is kind of a dark thing to consider. Most people will do whatever they can, self-sabotage or whatever, to prevent themselves from ever actually feeling the feeling of, I tried my hardest and I still wasn't good enough. But if you allow yourself to kind of bump up against that, as Bennett says that Burlesworth once did, and we would say that Bennett himself has kind of done, can you imagine the scar tissue that gets formed around that? Can you imagine the, the, the veneer of toughness that you take on when you experience those feelings that come with, hey, I gave this my all to play for my dream team, the Georgia Bulldogs. We know how much Stetson grew up as a Georgia fan. This is his ultimate dream, and yet time after time after time he was told, actually, you're not good enough. <laughs> Can you imagine the, the, the kind of mental toughness you create through all of that? So maybe understanding what Bennett has been through what he has pushed himself to endure through, maybe that makes it a little bit easier to understand that when the pressure's big in a Michigan game or an Alabama national championship or a Tennessee game in which the entire world was falling in love with the Vols or an SEC championship this past Saturday, maybe it's easy to understand why Bennett has somehow found a way to find an extra gear in some of those biggest games because of what mentally he's had to endure just to prove that he was worthy of being a part of the team that he had dreamed of playing for his entire life. I thought the weekend was incredible, and Bennett may not have won, but I think he was reminding us all weekend of why we have viewed him as such a winner 
over the course of the last couple of years. Kirby was great with the things that he said. Stetson was great throughout the week. This was an unbelievable celebration of college football this week and role and the, and the role that a guy like Stetson Bennett plays in all of that. I was really glad to have been able to take that all in. I think a lot of dog nation feels the same way. This was just a cool time to be a dog. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, and we are glad to have you with us. No matter how you get us today, live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, on the radio at noon, Athens Sports Radio 960, the ref, available as a podcast as well, wherever you find them, including the world-famous dognation.com. Been a while since we've been kind of doing this in our normal format, and it is good to be back doing it again today. And we are so appreciative from our friends at Pella Window and Door of Georgia for making it all possible. And like the one thing I've heard a lot since I was gone is, uh, B.A., you didn't miss much from a weather standpoint. Apparently the weather's been pretty bad here <laughs> over the course of the last little bit. And anytime we have bad weather this time of year, I always think about Pella Windows and Doors because their job is to kind of protect you from all of that because when it's cold and windy and rainy outside, you want all that junk staying on the outside of your house where it's supposed to be and that toasty heat or whatever you have kind of kind of going on from a climate control standpoint you want that on the inside because it's expensive you don't want that creeping out of poorly fitted windows and doors and so that's what our friends at Pella window and door of georgia are all about they also have uh, great savings opportunities for right now and they are just that product that survey after survey homeowners here in our market will say year after year this is the brand leader this is the market leader these are the folks who are doing it better than anybody else you can find that out for yourself when you visit the experience center right there in duluth you can put your hands on the product you can feel what makes it different you can talk to a pella expert and they can walk you through all of those uh, options as well installation or the full product line you can get all of that as i told you how about some great savings too between now and the end of the month uh, you can get 0% APR for 24 months or 50% off qualifying installation. So stop by and see them right there in Duluth or find them online. PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. You can also give them a call. 678-638-1496. That is 678-638-1496. Pella, window and door of Georgia is viewed to be the best. All right, let's get into... Uh, around the doghouse here. It's assisted by our friends at AAA. And then after that, we're going to talk to John Stinchcomb. We have not talked to John here in a little while, but we're going to get into that with him coming up in just a bit. So we'll do that then. Before that, though, as I said, around the doghouse, assisted by AAA here today. And I thought the sets and Bennett had a really cool Instagram post. And I want to use this as kind of a springboard to sort of talk about something as it relates to Ohio State. But Bennett has let it be known it's now kind of time to turn the page. That He had the spotlight on him for the Heisman Trophy ceremony, but it's kind of time now to sort of turn the page. And he did this with kind of a fun series of images. Let me show you the first one here. This is just sort of the regular uh, post and caption where he says, hey, it was a fun week, but the real season starts now. And if you see that, if you're watching a video, you get the little sort of side scroll thing you can do to kind of see some other images. I'll show you the full collection here, and I won't play all the video clips and things like that that he had. But he had Kobe Bryant basically saying that being up 2-0 was not enough. And the great scene from Major League about going out winning the whole blank thing. Uh, Karis Jackson, the great quote about trying to put numbers on these walls. And then <laughs> he kind of, I guess, kind of takes an old saying about there are good ships and wood ships and ships that sail the sea, but the best ships are, it's supposed to be, I guess, friendships, but he changed that to championships. May they always be. So Stetson letting it be known that the time for talking about him solely as a Heisman finalist are over and the time to kind of get back talking about Georgia again as it makes a move towards the college football playoff, it's time for that to happen. And let me just say this. Here's what I think would be a mistake that it was obviously a great week for Bennett and a lot of Georgia fans were kind of aggressively defending Bennett because Tennessee fans were acting like Tennessee fans uh, over the course of the last week, kind of being themselves. And that kind of brought out a certain version of George. And there was even some of the back and forth stuff with the media, uh, you know, Doug Gottlieb kind of got involved in this over the course of the weekend, the radio host and Georgia fans kind of went to Tim. But here's what I think would be a mistake as Georgia not kind of fully turns its attention back to Ohio State and the game that's going to take place as Georgia kind of gets ready to do all of that. I think it'd be a mistake to then take the energy that's exists around Bennett, what he's kind of proven about being a Heisman finalist and the sort of morons that they've proved that he's proven wrong along the way, and now turn this game against the Buckeyes into some sort of a referendum on Stetson. Like, this is not going to be Stetson Bennett versus C.J. Stroud on December 31st. It's just not. And Stetson Bennett's not playing over the course of the next two games for Georgia to prove, well, he should have been the Heisman Trophy winner all along. 
that the story for Georgia remains unchanged, that Bennett was in New York, rightfully so, I believe, but he was there representing all of what has made Georgia great. And that's the same thing that would have been true had Jordan Davis been there last year. We also believe that J.D. should have been there. And if Davis had gone, he would have been a bit of an avatar for what made Georgia Georgia in 2021. There's an aspect of that which is, I think, true for Bennett here right now as well. In other words, what is it going to take to beat Ohio State in the Peach Bowl coming up on December 31st? It's all the things that make Georgia Georgia. It is a complementary brand of football. You have to have a big day defensively. You've got to find the uh, right level of offense, too. You've got to have 22 guys, 11 on defense, 11 on offense, 11 more on special teams, which I guess is 33, but you get the point that I'm making here. You've got to have everybody kind of playing at their highest and best level in order to get that done. And the reason why Georgia has been so much better than almost everybody else in the country over the course of the last couple of years is because there is no team that plays at the highest possible level across the board the way that Georgia kind of does. This is not a quarterback-dependent program because Georgia is so good in all the other areas. On some teams, Alabama last year, maybe Ohio State this year, that you need big play from your quarterback to kind of cover up some deficiencies you might have in other areas. That's just not the way that Georgia's built. So it has been a fun week. Frankly, it's been kind of a fun week kind of coming to Bennett's defense against some of the idiots who've said what they've said. That part's been fun. But now that you move back into full look ahead, as Bennett said, getting ready for the most important part of the season, go for two and 22 and winning that national championship, as you get ready to do all of that, I think it's important to kind of have the same conversation we've been having is that Georgia has never been set up to be quarterback versus quarterback. This is not a Wild West gunslinger match. It wasn't true between Bennett and Bryce Young a year ago. It's not true between Bennett and C.J. Stroud here right now. The thing that makes Georgia Georgia is the full totality of what is actually Georgia. And so as we move back in time for the uh, full preparation for the college football playoff, the full preparation for Ohio State, I think that's an important thing to keep in mind. And that is around the doghouse today. It's presented by our friends at AAA. And, of course, we appreciate all of what AAA uh, does for us. Uh, I've been traveling a lot here over the course of the last little bit, you know, driving to uh, you know be a part of our great cruise last week, going into Port Canaveral for that, but also just traveling a lot during the season too, kind of finishing up a run through high school football and all of that. And as I've been driving around and doing all that, I'm glad to have that AAA membership card in my pocket in case something goes wrong. But AAA is also there for you when it comes to other things as well, including some great insurance products. How about home insurance? That, that It's really a great opportunity right now to get your home insurance through AAA as well because when you get home insurance through AAA, you can qualify for something known as claim forgiveness. Now, here's how claim forgiveness works. It means your first claim is going to be forgiven when you're insured and claim-free with insurance through AAA for five years. You can check out all those benefits and get more on that by going to AAA.com slash home insurance. That's AAA.com slash home Home insurance. You can also give a call 833-718-2075. That's 833-718-2075 for uh, a lot more on that. AAA bringing around the doghouse to us here today. All right, before we're done, we're going to get into the very serious situation of what may or may not be going on uh, with Mike Leach right now. All we know is that he is in critical condition and prayers are um, are being requested for him and, and earnestly and sincerely being given right now. We'll talk about that. But there's also some other news to get to around the SEC as well, in addition to our continued concern for Coach Leach. We're going to do a little bit of recruiting stuff before we're done because there are a couple of notes on UGA recruiting that I don't think you should miss. So we'll touch on some of that before we're done. We have an unbelievable collection of golden shoes as well, as you might imagine, coming off uh, such a big weekend. So we'll get to all of that before we wrap things up today. But for now, first time in a little while for us to welcome him back. We do so with open arms. It's our buddy John Stinchcomb to react to everything going on around these dogs right now here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Palo Window and Door of Georgia. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. As I mentioned, it's been a little while since we've talked to John Stinchcomb here on our program, so great to get a chance to do that right now. And John, boy, a lot has happened since we last spoke. I guess let me begin with this. Uh, John, you are an alumnus. You're a huge stakeholder in the Georgia program. For you personally, how big of a deal was it to see Stetson in New York, kind of you know, a part of the conversation of the moment in college football huge spotlight that kind of comes along with that we had not seen that since garrison hurst which predates your career by a long time it's been a long you know uh, period of history in other words since george has had a heisman uh finalist how much fun for was it for you to watch bennett be in that situation this weekend 
Oh, I loved it. And, and it's so funny to think that it's been three decades almost yeah. since Georgia's been represented in the Heisman. I mean, that's mind-blowing to me with the number of great players that have come through Athens. And I couldn't have been prouder to be a Bulldog the way that Stetson represented us um, at, during the festivities that led up to the, the announcement of Caleb's winning it. And, you know, you, you look and think, what a great – storyline that he is but ambassador to the game um that, that as he represented georgia on that national stage and you know i love the uh you know support he's got from other players and jordan davis's post that mm-hmm. you know just rings to the and speaks to the amount of trust and and love that he has in that locker room and i thought he did a great job and uh, it's always great to be a bulldog, but anytime you're represented uh, at the Heisman Trophy uh, presentation, it, it certainly speaks to the level of play that uh, he's risen to and, and the representation that he's made on the football field. This is a little bit of an off-the-wall question. We're watching video on our screen right now of Bennett from the weekend, and one of the things he got some attention for was wearing the Georgia letter jacket with the red and uh-huh. the, I guess the black leather sleeves. Uh, my buddy Buck Ballou, I've seen him wear his before. Do you have one of those? Because, John, that's one of the most stylish things I've ever seen in my entire life. Do you have a Georgia letter jacket like that? Doesn't it look good? It Man, looks- it looks so sharp. And then that, I thought he did a great job of, you know, the other guys you know, representing some other, other name brands right. on them. But for him to choose to, to represent the G, I think, spoke volumes. Yeah, I have one. Now, could I put my hands on it? Would I be able to find it? I don't know that I could, but it's, it's in, a, in a closet somewhere, I'm sure. Well, the good news is, I mean, like a lot of people, to be completely frank, they go the wrong direction with their weight after their career, especially the skill position guys. And let's just be honest here. Some of those guys kind of go the wrong direction. But, John, you're way thinner now than when you played. So if you were to find it, you could you could absolutely still pull that off and wear it. My guess is that's at least a size larger uh, than, than what your actual size is right now. So uh, to me, that's the kind of thing you ought to be digging out right there because unlike a lot of former players, we know yours would still fit. Isn't it funny? You know, I mean, we, we used to joke uh, we're in an offensive line room full of 300-plus pounders, yeah. and they're still sensitive about their weight because we would go around the room saying, you're going to be 400, you're going to be 400, you're going to be 220. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we're not. You, know, you always fight over it. So, it's, it's, you know, we're all, we were all fat and obese at the time. So it's funny to think that you're still sensitive about your weight. But, yeah, I, I think I could still fit in it. I might be able to put on a couple of layers between uh, me and the actually out, outside jacket at this point. But that's a good thing. That's good to know. Uh, you know, there's this cliche out there of, like, I live in so-and-so city, but I haven't visited the thing that so-and-so city's famous for. We have a tendency not to appreciate what we're closest to. I think for Stetson Bennett, there's an aspect of that, too, of – we are all so familiar with the Stetson Bennett story that we actually don't think about it all that much because it's kind of old hat to us here. But when you hear it through fresh ears or when you see it through fresh eyes, the way we get a chance to this week, I think I'm reminded again of just how how unique and special it all truly is and frankly how good of a storyteller Bennett is about his own journey here. I think that he has an incredible level of introspection which makes him – I guess a meaningful narrator of his own life here. Uh, it is remarkable what he has endured to be at the spot where he is right now. And I think living through it, it all kind of seemed like it was just the next step being taken each and every time. But this is not an easy journey to go through. If it was, more people would have done it. Uh, John, that was the thing I kept coming back to here this week as it relates to Stetson is just how amazing the story is and frankly how blind some of us end up being to it because we have been so close to it for such a long time. It's amazing to me that he's not more bitter. You listen to him in the interviews, and he's constantly being discredited. I mean, you, you look at even his uh, time in New York, and they're saying, oh, he's how many different memes and posts on you know Twitter and Instagram did you see where it's like, oh, he's the same age as Lamar Jackson, and look at all the stuff yeah. he did. No, nobody seems to mention Chris Winkie when he won the Heisman. He was almost 30, so... It, it, Every step of the way, even when he was being recruited, oh, you're too small and you don't fit the, the protocol. When, when he came back to Athens and he's competing for that role and, you know, he's going up against five stars and 
Jamie Newman and JT Daniels, the next great quarterbacks at Georgia, and no one was even considering Stetson. I, I, I got texts halfway through the national championship game saying, hey, we need to pull him. So this guy is constantly being discredited and, and not given the due that he deserves for the, the level of play that he's risen to and had to work his tail off to even get the opportunities to show and express on a football field. But yet when you talk to him, I mean, even after the SEC championship, he's being interviewed and saying, hey, you, you, you had a great performance. Tell me about the guys around you. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's like, okay, well, I, I'll do that. And and also, you know, I'm I'm not a bad football player either. And what a, a great perspective that throughout this entire process, Stetson hasn't been like, when, at what point am I going to get the credit that I deserve without people couching the comments of saying, you know, it's really because you're surrounded by all these others. No, Stetson's a damn good quarterback and um, is, is humble more so than most in those situations and is willing to, to share that credit and even when they're backhanded compliments thrown his way. I think that's exactly right. Another thing that's happened since you and I last spoke is, it's been a while now, is we now know that George is going to play Ohio State in the Peach Bowl coming up December 31st. And, you know, John, there's a lot to be said about how this game gets won or, you know, the different st- sort of storylines of the game. But the thing that I can't quite get over, and this is one of the things I mentioned to begin last week with some of the pre-recorded shows that we did, is is I'm just overwhelmed by the size and the magnitude of this game. These are two programs of the biggest that you get. They've been adjacent to each other in polls now seemingly forever, adjacent in recruiting rankings seemingly forever, going head-to-head over some of those recruits, obviously, from time to time. And now they're on the same field again for the first time. Ironically, mentioned 1992 earlier, uh, for Garrison Hurst in his uh, Heisman finalist season. That was also the last time that Georgia played Ohio State. So another one of these sort of long-tenured you know, type ideas. But, John, that's the thing that I feel like you have to talk about first when it comes to Georgia and Ohio State. Before you get to who wins and how Georgia gets it done, it's just the overwhelming magnitude of the game. This is an enormous contest. This is what the college ball playoff is supposed to deliver us, these kinds of clashes of the Titans. And I believe that's exactly what the Buckeyes and the Dogs sort of feel like coming up here in Atlanta at the end of this month. It's two blue bloods, two heavyweights on a national scale slugging it out. And I couldn't be happier as to when this is occurring because there's not a more complete team than Georgia. And I think we saw when Ohio State played Michigan that they certainly have some warts. And, you know, throughout the season, you look at Ohio State, what they were able to do. I mean, they can score points. They've got, at one time, arguably the best wide receiver room in in college sports and uh, a quarterback that can deliver to them. And that's a a dangerous proposition. I think the, the announcement that Smith and Jigba is rather than getting healthy for the next few weeks and, and getting ready for our game, he's going to try to get healthy and prepare for the NFL draft. I was not saddened to hear that news. Right. So uh, as, as a Georgia fan, I think you, you respect what Ohio State brings to the table, but uh, this is one of those matchups that has national draw just because of the the prowess that both teams hold and bring into this game it's, it's going to be an exciting one not only for dog fans but across the nation and this is one of those things where I do believe that Georgia will win but I do have respect for Ohio State this is not going to be a situation for me where you know, I stand up and say oh Ohio State's got no shot here you know I mean, this is one of those games that Georgia, like I said, I, I, I believe they will win, but I do believe that Georgia needs to play well to win. And I, I think that you know the next few weeks are kind of talking about what exactly that means, but, but this is definitely the kind of battle you would expect to see in a national semifinal where you look across the field and you ought to have some respect for your opponent. I believe you can respect your opponent while also believing that you've got special characteristics that make your team more likely to win. And I think in both these instances, that's the truth. Ohio State is a good team. It is a worthy playoff entrant, I believe. But it's also a, a game in which Georgia can lean on what it does well. And some of what Georgia does well are areas in which Ohio State isn't quite as strong. And uh, that, I hope and believe, will be the difference in the ballgame. How about an early evaluation from you, John, of what to expect from these two teams on the field? Yeah, I, I think the timing comes at a, at a really good time for Georgia in that 
uh, our defensive backs didn't have their best game against LSU. And so you can spend this month in preparation saying, hey, we've got a lot of work to do, and we're going to need it. I mean, you're getting ready for Ohio State, and they can sling the rock. And I think if you come in with uh, undue confidence, then um, maybe you get exposed. But when you just allow 500 yards uh, to LSU through the air and you're going, uh, maybe we have some work to do. That is, I think that's a good situation for Georgia, and, and here's the reason why. We've got talent. And anytime you've got talent and you can motivate that talent, um, then when you have one of those performances and you're preparing for one of those threats, which I think that's you know the, the biggest threat for Georgia in this scenario is how do they um, – how do they respond and prepare for um, for this aspect of Ohio State? Then uh, you've got time and you've got talent and, and you've got motivation. That's a good combo of three things right there as, as they get ready for this matchup. You used the word motivation. Let me ask you the other side of this. You know, Ohio State's hearing a lot of negative things about themselves right now. I think I think Georgia fans kind of have this picture of the national media who's kind of constantly inflating Ohio State, and there's probably some of that that goes on. I think at times we've even been critical of some of that when we've seen it. But there's also this, the closer you get to Columbus, the more you hear Ohio State kind of lost to Michigan in a similar fashion two years in a row where they just didn't seem to match whatever tenacity and toughness Michigan seemed to have. And, boy, the Buckeyes are going to hear that for a month here right now leading this game against Georgia because Georgia, obviously, if you think Michigan's tough, Georgia's sort of viewed to be that on steroids in, in a way. How much do you expect Ohio State to kind of come out with an additional level of motivation knowing that within their own program, within their own fan base even from some respects, they're getting a level of criticism because two years in a row they've lost to Michigan in a fashion that uh, that certainly did not please uh, Buckeye Nation very much. Well, it's it's the same motivating factor that that our defensive backs are facing is, hey, you just gave up all these yards and what are you going to do? Well, for Keely Ringo and and the rest of that group, they're they're going to take that personal in the same fashion that Ohio State's going to take it personal that they got manhandled again. And, and are facing a, a Georgia team that I, I would describe Michigan as Georgia light, right? I mean, they're, they're trying to build their program in a similar way, balanced offensive, defensively. We're going to play physical. We're going to mix things up and do play action pass, and, and they're not quite to the level of development as a, as a program that Georgia is, and I think that was evident last year. So for Ohio State, they're looking at this and saying, okay, we're, we're going to play big boy ball. Um, we certainly didn't answer that bell against Michigan, and we're going up against a comp- an, an opponent that is, is more complete and uh, does what, what Michigan does, in my opinion, better. So it's going to be a, a real challenge for them uh, and motivating factor, similar to if and when we play Michigan. They're going to, to feel that same strain of, that that level of physicality that we are that that Ohio State struggled with against Michigan, they're going to have to step that up, and uh, it, it very well could be the same case in the national championship game if Georgia and Michigan advance and, and face each other once again there. And you mentioned this a couple of times. I want to make sure I respond to this. You know, obviously the Georgia defensive secondary did not have a good day against LSU, and to me, John, that's just a reminder of the fact that. This is why Georgia doesn't play 50 to 30 games on a regular basis. Frankly, that wasn't as much fun as I think some Georgia fans kind of thought it would be to go out there and sort of play the same brand of football that so much of the rest of the country plays. That's what the SEC championship sort of turned into. But I don't believe 50 to 30 is the recipe for how you beat Ohio State. To me, it's the same thing it always is. You got to be in the 30s. You got to keep your opponent below that, you know, somewhere in the 20s, you know, something like that, 30 something to 20 something. Uh, that if it's 50 to 30, if that's the kind of game you're trying to win for the Peach Bowl, that you might end up being kind of disappointed. To me, the, the SEC championship was a reminder of why Georgia has mostly tried to avoid those kinds of games. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Isn't it funny how Georgia's defense, let's get instead of circling in on one position group like I've done so far, Georgia's defense allowed 30 points. I mean, that's, that in and of itself is an anomaly because of the level that they played, but yet they still win by three scores. 
And I, I think that just speaks to the, the complete nature of Georgia's football team. They are capable of scoring 50 points on a week-in, week-out basis. But what, what happened that was unique, unique to this one game and not to the season is they allowed an opponent to move the ball up and down the field and score points. That's something that Georgia fans are not used to for two seasons. Last season and this season, it's, it's a defensive performance that is suffocating. And when LSU found the success, even second half with a backup quarterback, you look out there and say, wow, is, is, is this um, what Georgia's all about? And the answer is no. It was unique. And um, I think that's a testament, really, to the level of play that Georgia's had this year. And um, I, I don't expect that to become commonplace in these next two games or ever, really, with, with Georgia, just because of, one, the amount of talent, and, two, the way they play the game, the, the um reliance on one another and i think there was some breakdowns if if you go back and watch the film which i did total football nerd um to see where these things are and it's you know individual performances where you're relying on your teammate to you know fill in the blank there but help over the top or based on this coverage that we're expecting to get home sooner all those things have to come into play or else you know, you, you look at the end of the day and you allow a team to find success where they otherwise wouldn't. And I think that is the anomaly. I think Georgia is uh, actually excited about the opportunity to show that what happened against LSU is, is, is and should not be expected on a week-in, week-out basis. And even when you go up against a, a talented Ohio State team, um, this Georgia defense, I'm sure, is going to be more than prepared for, for when that opportunity comes. John, great stuff. Thank you for being here today on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. It's fun to get a chance to talk to you again. We haven't done this in a while. So I was happy to do that. I'm looking forward to getting more deeply into this game with you over the course of the next couple of weeks. So hope you continue to enjoy your Christmas season here, and we'll look forward to getting a chance to chat with you very soon. And always enjoy it, B.A. Thanks for having me on. Yes, Go sir. Dogs. Thank you. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, we've got a lot to say about this Georgia-Ohio State game as you get closer to it. And I think John does a good job of setting the stage for all that right now. So fun to have him back. Kind of fun to be back in our normal format again. And great, of course, to have all of you with us there as well. In fact, let's get ready to go cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. A lot of you know the reason why we were pre-recorded some last week was because of my Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. Short getaway for us. It was kind of a special thing that Royal Caribbean invited me to be a part of. You've heard me talk about Wonder of the Seas before. Wonder of the Seas right now is the largest cruise ship in the world, and it's taking a new home in Port Canaveral, so I was invited to be a part of that. And I was reminded this week about why it is these kinds of cruise vacations so much fun for me. So one of the nights that we were there, there's a brand new uh, uh, specialty restaurant on board um, the Wonder of the Seas it's called the Mason Jar. And it's a southern-themed restaurant, so you're talking about like fried chicken and barbecue and uh, my wife had like fried green tomatoes. I had some gumbo. So it, it's that kind of thing. But there's also a kind of a really cool bar uh, connected to the restaurant where they have a country uh, music live band that's playing. And so here's the way the night kind of goes for us. You know, we go have dinner at this restaurant, just the two of us, and we're done. We kind of stumble out of the restaurant. And a couple of the folks that we had known on the cruise were some of our friends were there in the uh, bar listening to the country music band playing. We hung out with them and kind of had some uh, cocktails and then there was another band a rock band playing in a different venue we kind of went over and saw that as well and kind of finished our night doing that and here's the thing it's like when you get to be like my wife and i right? we you know have kids and busy lives and things like that you know these are the kinds of experiences we just don't get a lot when we're not on a cruise vacation because our weeks at home are just very very busy as many of you who are kind of you know running your own family, you kind of understand what that feels like. So the cruise vacation for us is a chance to kind of get away and be different people on that particular week. We're the kinds of people who do stay up late and go do all this stuff and have all this fun. The kind of thing that on a regular basis, we just don't get to do maybe as much as we did uh, prior to having kids, which we obviously love our family, but it's also kind of nice to have that moment which you kind of get away and experience a level of excitement that the daily life just doesn't always provide. And so that's what Wonder of the Seas was for us last week. And it's a reminder to me about how much fun the upcoming Dog Nation crew is going to be there as well. So our good buddy Jessica Slater, who, by the way, was on board this ship with us, 
Jessica's ready to talk to you about this here right now. In fact, she and I were talking about some of the conversations that she's already been having with uh, dog fans and, and Dog Nation daily listeners and viewers who've already kind of booked their crews and those who are kind of finalizing it to get that ready to get done. The big push to get all this done is right now. So if you've uh, kind of taken that first step but haven't taken the final step, now is the time to do it. 770-718-9147. That's the phone number you can dial for her, 770-718-9147. You can also visit the website royaldogs.com, royaldogs.com, to find out more about the Dog Nation Cruise. But honestly, based on the experience we had on Wonder of the Seas this past week, I, I would tell you that you know, if you need a getaway, this is enough. the honest truth is you probably do. There really is no better getaway for all the fun things than what a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation has to offer. I can say that sincerely because we certainly enjoyed that. And it's never easy to go from a fun topic to a serious topic, but I do want to address right now uh, the situation with Mississippi State coach Mike Leach. And look, we don't know a ton right now other than he's in a very critical condition and uh, has had to be hospital hospitalized and this is a very scary thing. I was mentioning this to some of our video audience a little bit before. The weekend for me is busy as is for like a lot of you, and you're kind of doing a bunch of family stuff. And sometimes the news, I try to follow it as close as I can, but sometimes it kind of goes in one ear and out the other. And I don't think I fully appreciated just how serious the leech situation was until relatively late last night, where it finally became clear to me that, gosh, this is a guy that right now appears to be fighting for his life. And I don't know all the details as to why, but. That appears to be the case, and by the time many of you hear this show, like 99% of the folks who consume our show do it uh, kind of after the fact, well after it uh, airs live. So you may know more about this later on than we know right now, but all we know at the moment is we've been asked to pray. I've seen across SCC country those uh, requests sincerely answered here. Myself, I'm also praying for Coach League 2. Just incredibly scary situation, scary situation. It reminds all of us how fragile life is kind of be and i will tell you this i was in starkville for the first time this year a few weeks ago when georgia played there and i think there's this tendency from the outside looking in to assume that the sec is just like all the same across the board but many of you who travel around a lot know how different that can actually be is that a place like georgia is this massive thing you know it's you know the state of georgia is very big huge population the University of Georgia is this very big thing representing that state and Georgia football is this gigantic entity on its own and I think when you travel around other places you realize oh other schools kind of have a little bit more of a quaint feel to them and there is a I'm just gonna be honest with you there is a family vibe around a place like Mississippi State that I don't know exists in other place in the SEC because a lot of other places in the SEC are just so dadgum large and they're almost bigger than professional sports in some ways. At least they kind of give off the feel of that. But in a place like Mississippi State, that's not exactly how it feels. And I got to tell you, I really liked what I experienced in Starkville. I liked their fans. Honestly, I don't know what I was expecting, but their fans were actually pretty cool. And they clearly have a bond with each other. It's, it's almost like when you're a lot smaller than your competitors, you kind of take on this, I don't know, there's a certain closeness they seem to craft with each other on the basis of the fact that they are like the little team trying to fight against all these really big teams these big programs out there and so there's already this kind of cool i guess family vibe that sort of exists around a program like mississippi state i have to say i was kind of impressed by that when i visited there a few weeks ago as cold as it was they were you know they just seemed like they were all enjoying each other's company a little bit which was kind of nice to see so they will clearly throughout all of this be called upon to really lean on that close connection they have with each other so to our friends in starkville to uh the family and those who know you know coach leach co closely we really are we're praying for you this is a scary situation we are desperate to hear some good news on this uh and we'll just be here to talk about whatever does come next in this story right now very few facts but we certainly know that he's in a very serious medical situation so our prayers for him indeed on that transitioning back kind of the normal topic of football I think quietly what's been going on in Auburn the last few days is kind of interesting. I believe these hires are now official. They've been reports, but I believe now they are official. I, Auburn has hired two coordinators. Now, Mike, I uh, should say uh, Hugh Freeze is a very offensive-minded head coach, so his influence on the offense is going to be obviously huge. But Philip Montgomery, the former Tulsa coach, who was also offensive coordinator at one point in time at Baylor, that's a pretty big hire by Auburn. That, that's bringing in a guy that's got a good level of offensive expertise. I think this is a pretty serious hire 
by uh, by Freeze here with the Tigers to kind of get this in place. And similarly, bringing a guy like Ron Roberts who had been at Baylor, you know, working with Dave Aranda. Once again, Aranda's a defensive-minded head coach, but but Roberts, you know, I think had earned some respect with what he had done there with the Bears. Once again, this is a pretty big-time hire for Auburn. And maybe the biggest part of all this is, is that, you know, Barry Odom has left Arkansas to go be UNLV head coach. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing for Arkansas right now. I wasn't all impressed with Odom's work with that defense here this year. But in trying to replace Odom, uh, Arkansas had kind of reached out to Roberts as well. So this is a little bit of a head-to-head battle between Arkansas and Auburn to get Roberts, and Auburn ends up winning that. So the bottom line for me on this is, is that I think you have to start looking at Auburn as being a different kind of program than it has been at the end of the Gus Malzahn era and the, through the two years of the Brian Harson era where Auburn was really making almost no noise at all. I think you have to start assuming that Auburn's going to start making a little bit more noise. And this may not matter for Georgia very much right now because Georgia is so far ahead of the rest of the SEC, but I believe it will matter for teams like Florida and Tennessee and South Carolina and these other programs that have their own kind of reboots going on. And at Florida, they're a year ahead of the Hugh Freeze era here at Auburn you know, for uh, for Josh Heupel kind of the two years ahead now and Shane Beamer kind of the same way. But we're about to, within the next couple of years, enter into a divisionless version of the SEC. And a lot of what Auburn has been judged on in recent years has been kind of judged based on how their position has been in a very tough SEC West. But pretty soon, you're going to start making these comparisons more between not just the other teams in the SEC West, but other teams kind of across the college uh, football landscape here right now. And I'm not quite so sure that Auburn isn't pretty well positioned, even though Heupel's gotten an earlier start and had the success this year, and obviously there's a little bit of noise around Billy Napier at Florida right now. I'm not quite so sure that Auburn won't find itself just as well positioned as any of those other teams are as they try to make some moves towards the true contenders and competitors in the SEC, the likes of Georgia and what has been Alabama. I think what Auburn's doing here right now, these are pretty sizable moves, I would say. And let me also kind of add to this, just while we're on the subject of coordinators here for a moment, that Liam Cohen coming back to Tennessee, I should say coming back to Kentucky as offensive coordinator. I think this is a pretty big deal. The Rich Scangarello era was obviously a huge failure. They had brought in Scangarello to kind of run Liam Cohen's offense. That didn't work. There's been some chatter about uh, Sean McVay with the LA Rams about whatever's going on with him, that he may not be kind of a long-term guy there. So that potentially opened up the door for Cohen to come back to the SEC. But Kentucky needing a coordinator and rehiring the guy that had been successful for them in 2021, I think it's a pretty big deal. And this wasn't on our rundown either, but I didn't want to at least mention this too. The rumors of Texas A&M hiring Bobby Petrino are both hilarious. But also you have to say that's a pretty big-time hire for a guy like Jimbo Fisher, who a lot of folks wondered would he ever really relinquish control of the offense if you bring in a guy like Petrino, you're bringing in the kind of coach that you feel like you could potentially trust. Now, Petrino's got all kinds of baggage, and it's kind of an embarrassing you know, press conference time deal just given his previous history in the SEC. It's also an example of whatever the most interesting thing that could happen is in the SEC is likely maybe the thing that will happen. But nonetheless, some of these coordinator stories here right now around the league are pretty interesting. I wanted to mention the Auburn stuff, but I'll kind of also add to that. Cohen going back to Kentucky and uh, the possibility of Petrino coming to Texas A&M. Both those are fairly sizable moves, too, if they do indeed happen. And then I'll also mention this former Georgia player and staffer here and a guy that's gotten a lot of attention on the recruiting trail the last little bit. Nick Williams is heading to Colorado to be a part of Deion Sanders staff. And so this is an example of Sanders is very serious about building something real at Colorado. And I told you this in one of our uh, pre-recorded shows is that ultimately what Dion really is is an icon of the late 80s and early 90s that's when Dion became famous and a lot of the stuff that you kind of see with Dion even in, in the sort of modern you know video stuff some of what he kind of looks like is some of that throwback to what once made him you know famous back in the late 80s and the 90s he was just sort of a, a cultural force back in that time that went beyond just merely being a major league baseball player and an NFL player or what he was at Florida State you know he had a, sort of a cultural relevance that kind of went beyond that and Around that same time, Colorado was kind of cool, too. This is back when Bill McCartney was head coach, and you had Darian Hagan at quarterback, you had Eric Bieniemy at running back. Later on, it kind of turned into Cordell Stewart, eventually became Rashawn Salam. But Colorado had a little bit of a coolness going on back then as well. And so it would not surprise me at all to see Dion kind of lean back to that sort of nostalgic feeling 
as you try to you know resurrect what Colorado has not been in quite some time. And obviously, they're going to be very serious about putting a good staff together. Uh, Nick Williams is the latest example of that. But you've had other kind of big time announcements kind of here come you know coming here too on the Colorado part of all of this. So I think the Dion time in Boulder is going to be very interesting. A lot of folks thought that maybe Dion would be better taking a different job. You know, I certainly think that he has a chance to to kind of resurrect some good vibes again around Colorado. It seems like already a lot of that's kind of happening. So seeing what happens next for Dion, I think, is going to be interesting. And obviously, hiring a guy like Nick Williams is a is a pretty big deal to go along with some other hires they've made. So we'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And here for a moment before we wrap things up, I also want to give you a couple thoughts on where things stand with Georgia recruiting right now. We're heading towards the start of the early signing period for the class of 2023 on December 21st. But right now, when it comes to stuff with Georgia, that is far from the only thing that's going on. You may have seen over the weekend that Ra Ra Thomas, the Mississippi State wide receiver in the transfer portal, he showed some photos of himself in Athens, Georgia, kind of signifying that he's taking a visit right now. That also would signify to us that Georgia plans on being a pretty significant player in the transfer portal. Georgia's never going to take as many transfers as some programs do. Frankly, Georgia doesn't have room to take as many transfers as some programs do. And Georgia recruits too well at the high school level, long-term type relationships to be you know, leaning too much in the direction of these sort of short-term quick fixes like the portal. But if you can get better, you want to, and maybe Georgia sees the opportunity to get better at the receiver position. So that is one of the things that's going on right now. I'll also tell you this, and I'm sure many of you kind of thought the same thing. Georgia adding the 2025 linebacker, Jaden Perlotti from Buford, is also, I think, a really interesting thing to pay attention to here because many of you are aware that this has been one of those areas which Georgia has probably not had the same level of recruiting success as it has had in other places, other areas with other types of players. Georgia has not recruited the county of Gwinnett particularly well. And Buford in particular, you just have not seen a lot of big-time guys going to Buford. In fact, all of this was resurrected once again when Justice Haynes made his pledge to Alabama a few months ago. Well, now here we are near the end of the cycle, and you're left to wonder, well, maybe Georgia's still in it for Justice Haynes. I know Jeff Sintel's got a story coming up on that at dognation.com, which we'll find out more about the Georgia and Haynes situation. But I think with Perlotti committing to Georgia, even though it's a class of 25 guy and a couple of years away from that being you know, an actual player in the Georgia roster, I think it is a little bit of an indication that whatever you thought may have been going on between, say, Georgia and Buford in the past, Buford, one of the uh, flagship programs here in Georgia when it comes to, to an overall talent level, whatever you thought may have been going on in the past, there may be evidence that a lot of that is changing, not just with a guy like Haynes, the class of 2023, but Buford, when you think about what they have in the class of 2024, King Joseph Edwards and KJ Bolden and Andrew Houston, and I mean, maybe Houston more so than anybody else. He may be, he may be as as much of a want list type player for Georgia as anybody has been, just given the way he kind of reminds you of Trayvon Walker a little bit right now. But the point is that a lot of big time recruiting battles are coming up that have a little bit of a Buford flair to them. And in the past, you were left to say, ah, well, Georgia's got a disadvantage when it goes up for one of these Buford players for whatever reason. With Perlotti making his commitment, that might be foreshadowing, that whether it be down the stretch with Haynes here for the class of 2023 or looking ahead to the next cycle in the class of 2024, big battles involving players from Buford, that Georgia may be just as in these as anybody else is and that whatever perceived disadvantage Georgia has for these recruiting fights so close to home, that just may not be true anymore. The Perlotti decision may be the indication that uh, you need about that. All right, so to uh, wrap things up here today, let's get ready to do so with a great collection of golden shoes. As you might imagine, a lot of these kind of floating around over the course of the last you know weekend or so on the basis of Stetson Bennett. A lot of folks having some fun, so let's throw the first one up here. Joshua Campbell shares this, hashtag go for two and 22, showing you the old photo of uh, Bennett against Auburn. I guess this is going back to the early part of the 2021 season, uh, kind of giving the, almost the Heisman pose there. It does look a lot like the Heisman pose. A lot of folks kind of pointing that out. So Joshua Campbell will give you a golden shoe for showing us that and using the hashtag go for two and 22. Jeff Doak also says that the Don Juan Pond is a hypersaline lake in Victoria Land, Antarctica. It's recognized as the saltiest place on earth. A close second is the collective Twitter feeds of Hendon Hooker fans since the Heisman finalists were announced. That's also very funny as well. Jeff will give you a golden shoe for that too. Uh, Jay Green showing us all of the Kirby Smart Revenge Tour games. 
going back and getting that uh, vengeance against the last loss that have happened during the Kirby Smart era, LSU being the latest example of that. And he says, to be determined, Ole Miss one of these days, Texas one of these days. But yeah, Kirby's been very good at avenging those losses. He hasn't had many of them, but when he has taken one, they've gone out and gotten revenge for that again. LSU, the latest example of that. Jay Green, that is very, very good stuff from you. Golden Shoe to you as well. I love this from my buddy Bubba, who shows off his elves on the shelf, who say, our elves have spoken, hashtag go for two and 22, and you see them with the national championship trophy. And the note that the elves have written here says, we want another one. Listen, I love it when the elf on the shelf is a college football fan and a dog fan indeed. So that is great. Good to see the elves getting involved here. Maybe a little bit of that magic is what Georgia needs to bring home another national championship. Really good stuff. Uh, Also, uh, another uh, great Georgia fan kind of showing off the uh, Heisman Trophy, and they've kind of used the Stetson Bennett. This is uh, 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 (laughs) a... I can't see the username here, but they have go for two and 22 in their username, which is really fun. And then you've got the Heisman Trophy uh, with the Stetson Bennett uh, photo here. So that's really, really good stuff. A golden shoe going out there as well. That's a great one. Then Chelsea Shadow sent this to us. She said, I went to our first Army-Navy game yesterday. Truly an incredible experience. So much pride and patriotism. And yet I still wore my hat supporting our Heisman finalist, Stetson Bennett the fourth. All day long, go dogs. And she says, hashtag golden shoe. Chelsea's a great dog fan. Great to see uh, them out there enjoying what is just an unbelievable showcase of college football and patriotism for the army navy game and then the uh, mailman hat looking great on chelsea there too we'll give her a golden shoe as well so great collection of those here this week and also a great way to wrap up our show with our gator hater countdown reminding all of you that business to be taken care of here right now and go for two and 22 season but after that you start turning your attention to 2023 and before you know it back in jacksonville beating up on those lousy stinking gators once again in fact we'll all do that together 320 days from right now that is our gator hater countdown we appreciate all of you being with us today go for two and 22 and we'll see you back here tomorrow for dog nation daily presented by palo window and door of georgia and on the podcast time now for the rs andrews podcast cool down we'll take some of your comments and Perusing my Twitter feed here at the moment, a lot of people reacting to a story that Jeff Centel has just published with five-star running back Justice Haynes. And Jeff had a chance to talk to Haynes, and Haynes had some stuff to say, and eh, it's not great. Uh, (laughs) It's good reporting, I guess, but just not great news. Uh, So this is what Justice Haynes tells Jeff Centel, published a moment ago about uh you know his possibility of flipping to georgia jeff writes that flipping haynes appears to be something that not even kirby Kloss and del Kloss can pull off not even here at this what he calls flipmas time which is kind of a funny thing to say but here's the quote from haynes people ask me about flipping all the time he says you know uh, about if i'm going to flip and all that stuff right well i tell everyone that god's plan was for me to go to alabama i still feel that god's plan is leading me in the direction to go to bama that's where I'm going to go. I feel like that's the best fit for me on and off the field to make me a better person and a better player. I love the situation I'm in, and I'm happy with it. Uh, he says, uh, Jeff goes on to write that Haynes received in-home visits from Alabama and Georgia and Ohio State last week. Why did he still want to meet with those other staffs? He says, just enjoying the process, still at the same time. You know, you only get this process once and just trying to take it all in and listen and continue to build relationships and listen to what the coaches have to say. So you can read more about that at dognation.com. And uh, uh, going to the last thing here, uh, he says, uh, there was one final question, Jeff writes, in that interview with Haynes. It was for those that believe the recruiting staff in Athens can pull off things that would make George Bailey or Clark Griswold say it could never happen. He says, is there any scenario where the dogs can pull off the flip? What would it take for uh, another Dell, uh, 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 you know, McGee-type, miracle-type thing? He says, Haynes, like a lot of his thoughts in the future, stay grounded in his faith, he says, "There's uh, is there anything that might change his mind?" He said, "He said it would be take it would take God giving me a sign." This is Justice Haynes speaking here. God coming to me in a dream, <laughs> God coming to me and uh, t- uh, talking to my heart, and just getting that feeling from God saying, "This is the school you need to be at." He hasn't given me that feeling. He's given me uh, every feeling to go to Alabama. So if you want to add something to your Christmas prayer list, I guess God giving Justice Haynes a sign is something you can. Uh, I guess, pray for a little bit more here. So it's a really good story, uh, very wide-ranging with Jeff on uh, Justice Haynes. In fact, I'm still scrolling. I haven't quite gotten to the end of it yet. So that's a, it's a pretty big story there at dognation.com. I want to read a couple of comments from Georgia fans on this as they react to this. Bubba Bill checking in to say, bummer that Justice is leaving our state. Hope he noticed that UGA fans were kind to him when he announced that he was committing to Alabama. 
Uh, he says, I wish she would at least play a game with Bama fans and decommit for a day to see that they're e- as equally loving. Good luck, Justice. We're going to miss you. Go dogs. Uh, Smarts the Man also writes in to say, Justice must be seeing something that I don't see. How can anyone make the statement that Alabama is the best place to be developed when they also have a Georgia scholarship offer? It makes no sense to me. Uh, Navy Dog checks in to say, not being snarky at all here, but it's his life. I get that. Don't understand why he feels Bama's more attractive, but again, he has to do what he feels he has to do. There are plenty more comments there at dognation.com as well. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Reading that story, I don't think Jeff could make it any more clear that Haynes believes he's going to Alabama. But the fact that Justice doesn't conclude the conversation by clearly shutting the door, you know, obviously making reference to a sign from God, things like that, I guess I'm still going to keep a little bit of a candle in the window here. Maybe I shouldn't. Well, I'll have a chance to talk to Jeff more about this on Friday. Maybe he'll laugh at me saying that. But as thorough as this is and as clear as Haynes makes it that he intends to go to Alabama, the truth is he's been saying something like that over the course of the last few weeks too when uh, the door seemed to be open somewhere for, for this to happen. So really, this to me is just as continuing to say a lot of what he's said throughout this entire process. So, so you know, maybe this is me holding on to faint hope, but uh, nonetheless – I guess I can't completely shut the door, even with statements from justice that are as thorough as that. So why don't you do me a favor? Read this story at dognation.com. I'm sure we'll talk more about this tomorrow. We'll talk to Jeff about it on Friday. Jeff has his own show coming up on Wednesday. But this is the kind of stuff we're doing here as the early signing period approaches. You can get more on that there. And this, of course, is our podcast, Cool Down, which is brought to you by our friends at R.S. Andrews, the one you turn to for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. They show up on time. They do the work that's promised, the price that's promised. You can trust them on all of that today. If your heating system needs to be uh, kind of Tune back up to Factor Fresh Specs, getting you ready to go for the uh, long, cold winter that's on its way. Our friends at R.S. Andrews can do that for you. So find them online at rsandrews.com. And we'll see you back here tomorrow for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Palo Window and Door of Georgia. We'll look forward to talking to you then.